Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Join one of the Adelaide 36ers' favourite sons as we deep dive into everything past and present about one of the most storied franchises in the NBL. It's Sixers Fix, your Adelaide 36ers podcast. Welcome to a very special return edition of Sixers Fix. We're here with Scott Ninnis, the all-time great of the Adelaide 36ers. He's a any time now to be Hall of Famer of the club now that the club has started up a Hall of Fame. He's the only man to ever be involved in all four of the NBL championships that the 36ers have won. So who better to get back into some NBL talk here, here from the 36ers then than Scott Ninnis. I'm joining him, Chris Pike, the co-host, but the man that you're all looking forward to getting some opinions from, Scott how do I find you during these challenging times? Well, it's been a while, hasn't it, Chris? Yeah. It's, uh, no, nice to be back having a uh, having a chat, and uh, you wouldn't have been able to write this script, would you? That what's happened since uh, uh, since we last spoke? Uh, certainly, from a number of points of view, the the thirty sixes with some of the upheaval they've had, you know, towards the end of the season, and then after the season, both on and off the court. Um, and now we're going through uh, one of the weirdest, well, probably the weirdest mm. uh, period of time any of us will go through in our lifetime. So. Uh, I'm stuck at home. Uh, business is on uh, uh, temporary suspension, uh, but we're obviously all hoping that uh, everyone does the right thing and we get back to normal as uh, soon as humanly possible. Yeah. Now, since we last did an episode here of Sixers Fix, a lot's changed, obviously, in terms of the Adelaide 36ers, which we'll get to, but also, I guess, everyone's personal life has taken a hit. And I just wanted to touch base with you, first of all, to check in on, on you and the family and make sure that you're all, you're all going okay. Yeah, well, look, it's uh, my, my business uh, has stopped, um, like a lot of other businesses. Uh, the wineries uh, shut down, and, and basically overnight, I, I lost my business. Mm. Uh, you know, we're probably in in better position than some people. Uh, my wife's uh, uh, actually started a new job. She's the new marketing manager of Basketball South Australia, yeah. which is uh, uh, which she's very passionate about, and, and uh, hopefully doing some really good things with. But we're basically all stuck at home. Um, uh, the kids went back to school this week, which was uh, a little bit of a godsend, to be fair <laughs> to say. But uh, um, you know, like a lot of people, we've we've put a you know put a bit of a pause on the home loans and the car loans, and uh, we'll, we'll be alright. We're still in a much better position than a lot of position than a lot of people. Yeah. But uh, it will be very nice to get back to work when uh, that eventually does happen. Do you have any indication at all when you might be able to start up your, your wine tours again? Do you? No, mate. It's, look, the, the winery is completely shut down for a few weeks there, but yeah. they are open again now for sales only. Uh, so there's there's still no tastings yeah. allowed. And uh, I think we're probably very lucky here in South Australia that, uh, you know, as we've had five days in a row now of, of no new cases. Um, but they're obviously going to be very, very cautious of, uh, you know, re- opening things not too quickly. Um, I think I'm probably fortunate with what I do with my wine tours is it's very small group. So Mm -hmm. uh, when that opportunity does come for the wineries to reopen, it's going to be much simpler for me to get two people or four people in a car than, say, 20 people on a bus like some of the other companies do. But I'd suggest we're still looking uh, several months away at at this stage. Now, a lot's changed in the 36ers since we last spoke. Joey Wright was in charge when we last spoke. Now, Connor Henry is the, is the head coach heading towards the, the 2021 season. Out of Joey or Connor, who do you think is more likely to come on a, on a tour with you first once things start to open up? 
<laughs> well, probably Joey. He's got a lot of spare time <laughs> in his hands now, and uh, he, do, he doesn't mind a little glass of red, uh, cheeky red or two. Well, you found um, that out. We were meant to have an episode with him when you, and you just couldn't couldn't get the bottle out of his hand. No, no, it was probably a bottle out of each of our hands. It was. Uh, <laughs> oh, I think at that stage he just wanted someone to just sit down and yeah. uh, have a chat to without it being uh, being on public record. And obviously there was a lot a lot going down at that mm. particular point in time, and and you know that's all come to the surface and you know it was a very very mess- messy situation and, and no one came out of it looking looking good uh, um, but yeah the clubs moved on as, as they've had to um, I thought uh, you know Connor, the you know Connor getting appointed took a lot of people by by surprise because that wasn't the names we were hearing. Yeah. We were hearing Kevin Brooks, we were hearing Adam Caporn, um, you know, even even Phil Smith bobbed up in mm. the conversation. And then you know for Connor to get announced, it uh, it came completely out of the out of the blue. But uh, you know we we look forward now. Um, a change is was inevitable in this case, and uh, hopefully, when everything blows over, we can uh, you know get this uh, get this team back on deck, make some uh, uh, good additions, and uh, move forward and look forward to a to a bright bright and fruitful uh, future. Yeah, I think it's a very shrewd appointment. I'm I'm very happy for Connor to get another chance in the NBL. Um, we'll hear from him later in this show as well. So we we had the the fortunate chance to to have a chat to him from his home in in California. I think he's his first stint as a head coach in the NBL was cut short thanks to thanks to John really more than more, more than anybody when <laughs> when he's down through a crocs beat the Wildcats. But yeah, I think 11 years later Connor deserves another chance in the NBL. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do in Adelaide. But yeah, unfortunately, I. I guess we have to we do have to sort of run through everything that's happened since we last spoke and the season didn't finish well for the 36ers they a real chance of making the playoffs for most of the season but obviously a bit of a bit of a rift it's fair to say opened up I guess between the imports and Joey more, more than anybody as the season unfolded they really weren't on speaking terms by the end of the season and that just didn't lead to to, to a productive result come the end of the season and obviously it's blown up up since the end of the season what what did you make of the way the season all, all ended Oh, look, I think uh, as time went on, you, it became obvious, probably not during the season, but certainly afterwards, just how much of a, a divide there was in that team. You know, it was pretty much split down the middle and it was such a fractured uh, uh, situation and you just can't be successful with that. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, some of those players need to, you know, need to go to the house of mirrors and have a good, long, hard look at themselves. You know, you're professional basketball players and, um, you, you know, I think uh, some of those guys, uh, uh, you know, have, have damaged their brand forever. And, and certainly, you know, I know Jerry Wright's, uh, you know, hasn't come out looking all that all that way of this. But, you know, he's the coach, they're the players. You know, you do what you're told, you buy into the system or you piss off. You know, that a lot of these guys, I think, you know, I think it was just really, really disappointing and, and from a person that's been involved with the 36ers for such a long period of time, um, you know, my main concern is, is how the club comes out looking at all this and, and certainly the club hasn't, uh, there's been a lot of damage done, I think, to the to the brand of the club as well. In, in the short term, once again, you get it right moving forward, uh, people forget all this a bit in a hurry but mm-hmm. uh, no I wasn't um, thought it was really really poor the way uh, some people conducted themselves uh, during the season and especially that w- Joe was gone you know yeah. like that situation was finished with and uh, y- you know there was no need for you know some of the things that, that came out after that The Kevin White situation is a separate one but clearly Joey felt like I think especially Jerome Randall, um, Eric Griffin and Harry Froling just weren't playing for him and giving giving him their all, which is 
pretty frustrating when you're a head coach. You you know what it's like to be head coach, and it's hard enough if you've got everybody pulling in the same direction. Let alone if you've got people pulling in the different in a different direction. Do you feel like Joe did the right thing by calling those players out postseason, or how would have you handled it? Oh, yeah, I don't think you can answer that until you mm. find yourself in that situation. Sure. It's, it's always it's always brought with danger when you start calling out players individually because um, sometimes it looks like you're you know you're pointing the finger and, and not taking the blame yourself. And, and I'm certain, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Joey did that because I think he was the first one to put his hand up and, and say the buck you know, stops for me. Um, um, but um, that some of those players were just uh, you know obviously as, as this has moved on further. Uh, you know, I don't think a lot of them have come out uh, smelling like roses, and um, it'd be interesting to see. You know, as as time moves on, you know what happens with you know. Does, does, is this a, is this a, you know Harry Froling finding a new home? Yeah. Is that going to be what he needs? Is he going to you know apply himself and and get himself back where we are talking about? a potential NBA player or, you know, does, this, does, this, does he just keep going on, you know, the way that he did this year? Um, yeah. You know, and these are guys I, I have no involvement with. I'm only looking at them, you know, from the, out, you know, from the outside. But uh, I think it'd be interesting to track a lot of these players and just sort of see what their next move is and, and uh, you know, where they end up and, and do they really get themselves back on track and become elite basketball players again. What happened with Kevin White was was different, obviously, and, and Joey's never questioned what, what Kev gave him in terms of giving his all and being being a strong leader and being a strong, you know, I guess the vocal leader that he wanted him to be when he came into the club. But I guess by the end of the season, Kevin found himself in a in a tough position and and probably frustrated that he wasn't getting the support that he that he hoped. And in the end, he just well, rather wrongly. And I think I think I can probably sense where where your head's at with it. He he just had to felt like he needed to get some things out publicly that he didn't want to keep quiet any longer. Once he saw that his teammates, not, I guess, had been had been named publicly by Joey, um, as we've seen since. Obviously, Kevin's contract is now. Being terminated, and he he won't be coming back to the 36ers next season. We're waiting to see if he gets another job somewhere else. Um, what did you make of everything that happened with with Kevin White? Well, <laughs> I've never seen anything like that no, in, in, in my time in basketball. I just uh, I just thought it was extraordinary, and I uh, you know my initial thought was okay. He's decided he's uh, that city. He's, he's going to retire, and he's he's going to go out with a bang because there was there was no way moving forward that uh, you know his position within the thirty sixes was was going to remain tenable after that because it wasn't just Joey. He had a crack at it. It was, it was the entire club and, yeah. and their, their management. So that was my initial thought that he just decided that. You know, th- this was it. Um, I-, I don't know Kevin White. I-, I find it extraordinary that, you know, somehow in your mind you can decide that this is going to be, uh, you know, airing dirty laundry like that is is the best possible situation. But uh, I guess he's the only one that knows what's going on in his head. But uh, it certainly did a lot of damage uh, to everyone involved in that situation. I, I just found it... Uh, <laughs> it's completely extraordinary and uh, uh, obviously wish that, yeah, that hadn't happened. Obviously, there was a lot of emotions running high from a lot of different people. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I found it uh, extraordinary. Yeah, uh, uh, so did I when I first saw the messages come through. I, I do know Kevin pretty well, so I, it wasn't a surprise the things that he had shown in those messages. But it's just the fact that he was willing to make them public. I think that took everybody by by shock. And and yeah, I mean, I, I guess he expected straight away that it would mean that. His professional basketball career was likely over, but I guess from his point of view, he felt like he had no choice. But 
Let's let's try to try to move forward and look at some more positive things, Scott. Before we go and have a chat to, to Connor Henry and and hear from the new head coach of the Thirty Sixers, there was there was still some positives to take out of the season, and the fact that despite everything that's now happened through coronavirus, the fact that already moving forward. The 36ers know that they can bank on having Daniel Johnson, Jack McVeigh, Daniel Dillon, Brendan Tease. That's a that's a pretty good core group to already be able to, to bank on moving forward, knowing that you'll be able to add two imports, potentially a, a next star player if if somebody, you know, who has been just drafted into the NBA or who's about to be drafted in, into the NBA can make an appearance. I I think Connor's got a decent core group to start to work with already. Uh, yes and no. I think you, you, you really only got one star in, the, in that group, and that's obviously Daniel Johnson. Yeah. Uh, you know, McVeigh, you know, is an exciting talent and, and has potential. And I think out of those names that we mentioned, that you know, he's the one that you would you would hope is, it can really take a step forward. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll uh, chase the other one. There's yeah, and and yeah. you know, he's got a good upside. But I, I guess when, you know, you know what you're going to get from Brendan Tees. I'm a little bit little bit surprised that that uh, you know Daniel Dillon is going around again like he didn't show show much and you know as a 34 year old you know are you better off having a young kid in that position in that position but uh, possibly well, the same time I found like Kevin White Brendan Teeson and him are probably too similar so you probably only need two of those type yes, of players correct. rather than three Correct, and and you know you now you bring a Josh Giddy into the mix. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure where that in where that uh, you know where that puts Daniel Dillon. You can't imagine him uh, showing a lot of minutes, but uh, you know you would assume that Connor is is happy to have that you know that veteran head uh, on the bench that he can call on it when and if needed. You're right. I forgot about Josh Giddy. That was a massive coup for the 36ers. He was he was a, he was a wanted player after what we saw him do for the Boomers in a brief stint. By I would imagine all eight of the Australian NBL clubs for the 36ers to sign him in the middle of all the turmoil that was happening at the club. That was a, that was a massive get. <laughs> that was just extraordinary. Yeah. Once again, it was just, uh, you know, with all that, you know, with all the disaster going on to, to sign, you know, the best young kid in Australia just came mm. completely out of the blue and, you know, without having a head coach. And I think what that did at that point of time was probably fueled the rumours that maybe, you know, someone like an Adam Capehorn who had dealt yeah. with him before or, or you know, even Andrew Gase's name was being, was. you know, once again, from a rumour point of view, obviously with his relationship with, with uh, Warwick Giddy, and um, I think everyone was just trying to put two and two together when there, there probably wasn't a wasn't anything to put together. Mm. It was just a great recruiting coup, and, um, you know, to get a signature like that uh, without with, with such an unsettling time and without a head coach being announced was uh, was, was amazing. So uh, I look forward to seeing him play, and, uh, you know, that, that uh, is really exciting exciting, at least for this uh, next season. Before we go and have a chat to Connor Henry, are you happy with his his appointment? I am. Yeah, look, I I really thought, uh, once again, it, it... just caught people out of the blue. Mm. I think you, you know when you look through the you know Adam Capel, I think would have been a really good get, but they they obviously couldn't make that uh, fit from both sides. Um, I think Kevin Brooks, unfortunately for him, uh, you know he was sort of part, you know, perhaps tarred mm. as part of the previous regime, and uh, you know K- KB's done his dues and, and probably uh, would be very disappointed that he didn't get an opportunity. But uh, I think you know kind of. Yeah, once again, he's had NBA experience. He's been at it before. He's had time in the uh, in the NBA and the development leagues, and um, I think you do a great job. And 
you know, I think it's uh, once again the club looked out of the, I guess, looked out of the box a little bit, and um, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do and uh, his uh, vision for the 36 is moving forward. Yeah, me too. Now, speaking of Connor Henry, let's have a chat to him and, and hear what he's got to say after being appointed the new head coach of the Adelaide 36ers. Look forward to it. Here we go. Okay, very lucky to be joined here on Sixers Fix as we're, we're back for a an off-season episode, Scott, and, and joined by the new head coach of the Adelaide 36ers. A great honour to be joined by Connor Henry, a man that 11 years ago I spent plenty of time with when he was in Perth and haven't been able to speak to him probably since he was in Sydney. So great for me to catch up with him again and hopefully all, all of our listeners will enjoy this as well. Connor Henry, how do, we, how do we find you from California at the moment? Scott and Chris, I'm, I'm doing really well. Um, you know... Uh, I'm, I'm excited for this opportunity uh, to co- not only to come back and be on the sidelines, but to, to really return back to, to Australia where I've got friends, um, enjoyed my time there, and couldn't be more excited about the, the club. The great conversations with Grant and, and Jeff uh, over the last month and a half. And, and those conversations were free-flowing, um, good, the bad, uh, all the craziness that we're going through right now, how it could be affected. Um, and once I went through the initial three or four conversations, I got a real good picture about what Grant and Jeff want to build in Adelaide. And I really, I felt comfortable moving forward. And, and here we are. So, sorry, Scott. 11 years ago, you were you were coaching at the Perth Wildcats and Scott Ninnis was coaching the Adelaide 36ers. You were rival head coaches. What are your memories of, of the, your battles with, with Scott? You know, I don't really remember because I'm old now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I reckon there's a re- I reckon there's a reasonable chance uh, you can probably remember kicking my ass, uh, Connor. Uh, we the the Wildcats have always been a bit of a bogey team for the 36ers for uh, for many many years. But um, I, I, I just from my point of view, I wanted to congratulate you on the job. Can you just give us a bit of a uh, bit of insight as to how it came about? Did you apply for the role? Did the did the club headhunt you? Uh, can you give us a bit of a bit of background information? into that sure it's 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 really a bit of both um so i've I've just been keeping my eye out on on the nbl for a number of years um hopefully being able to put myself in a position to possibly return um after two years of scouting with the timberwolves the last six seven months uh i've been on the sidelines not working watching a lot of basketball trying to connect with as many people as i as i could to to try to see if there would be a coaching opportunity and and Jeff and I have known each other now, really from Perth and more so from my, my brief time in Sydney. Um, and we've always kept in touch. Uh, Jeff's always come out during Summer League in Vegas. He's always um, seemed to come out and touch L.A. Uh, a couple of times or at least once a year and, and we'd catch up. And he, he reached out uh, and called and said, would you be interested in um, – in the gig that I have going now, and um, would you be comfortable if, if I put you on a list to consider and, and have a chat with Grant? And I gave him the go ahead on that, um, and um, and that's really how it started. And then after that, you know, I talked a little bit about that already. That um, just through uh, getting to know each other uh, even more, so getting caught up with Jeff more uh, about what he's got going, and then eventually having um, two really good conversations with Grant. Um, and going through uh, a, a nice interview, I felt, um, that uh, was balanced and um, not rushed, which it, most interviews aren't always that way. They can be 
um, very rushed, and especially if you're not uh, being fully considered. And I never got that impression. I always felt like Grant and, and Jeff and then Ben, CEO, was also on that call. Um, it felt good. Um, they eventually went through their process and nailed it down to two people. And like most people know, Adam, coincidentally, a former point guard yeah. for myself and, and Fish. <laughs> um, and Adam is just a, 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 a really, really solid coach and has done some really good work um you know they approached adam and and it wasn't a fit for adam and i don't know exactly the reasons why but um so jeff and grant circled back and um within about 10 days of circling back we we hashed things out and then we agreed that to start to 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 get into the 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 numbers and the term and and all those details and so um that was really the process and it's uh it's it's worked out well and it's it's actually been really enjoyable and looking uh, looking ahead, Connor, I know uh, you know I, I would probably don't need to touch too much on you know how the end of the season ended up for the thirty sixes, both on on the court and off the court. But suffice to say, it wasn't uh, wasn't pretty. But uh, looking forward, I know a lot of the people that listen to our podcast will be interested in uh, your philosophies, you know, the sort of culture that you want to bring to the team. I know you've always had a reputation as a defensive coach. I, I can expect we'll see more of the same. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I believe that we've got to play balanced, balanced basketball on both ends of the floor. Um, I've never been able to um, coach a team just defensively and not be, um, you know, balanced on the other end. I've never been able to coach a team, nor do I know a system really on how to coach uh, a fast pace, uh, shoot only threes, um, <laughs> switch everything on defense, which is partly the trend now. Um, throughout uh, not only through through the NBL some teams and then the G League and, and of course in the NBL or the NBA so I expect us to uh, have a defensive system in place um, where everybody's held accountable and everybody rocks up and um, encourages each other and, and communicates with each other and if we play that way on the defensive end it's only going to help us on the offensive end and vice versa um, it all works together um, if you can be efficient on both ends and, and have a physicality uh, of which um, I hope we do. And, I, and that's the plan in building a roster where we're physically and mentally tough. And we go through some um, I've spoke about this before. We go through some shared experiences, both good and bad. And then we come together and, and we start to really figure it out. What uh, looking at looking at the current roster of the uh, of the thirty sixes and the players that we do have signed, um, have you had much of a chance to have a look at and really, really? target where where you think we have deficiencies and what we need moving forward? You know, we're and I, and I, I don't ever want to use the word deficiency because um, in in my experience, I've been a lead player, I've been a backup player, I've been young and dumb player, I've been <laughs> old and broke down player. So uh, as I look at our roster, I view our roster. Now we're, we don't have a complete roster, um, and we've let a few couple players uh, go in Drimmick and Froling. But we have an all NBL player in DJ. We've got experience uh, in Daniel Dillon that I'm hoping to you know, recharge his uh, his mentality and his abilities and make him successful even at age I think Daniel's 34 now. Had a good text uh, chat with him. Um, he sounds good. Um, he wants to he wants to get back to, to contributing at a high level. And then you, you know the other guys I've, I've had a good conversation with Tease, text messages with of course Josh um, and DJ uh, and Madrunga, and I've got to still catch up with with Obi um, and McVeigh even more. So we've got we've got some pieces uh, that have played backup minutes in the past. 
at all the positions. And we want to just excel with those positions that we have and make them better and, um, you know, make them better basketball players and, uh, and enjoy the process. And then if we get our imports right, um, if we, if we add a player, um, of a, let's say a, a boomer quality, uh, through free agency, I don't know if that's possible because many teams are, um, of course, wanting to hold on to those players, but you never know. You know, come July, our roster uh, may look a little different. Uh, I can't imagine it looking drastically different, um, but you never know. Um, but uh, we like who we have, and we just have to make everybody better and make everybody come together. From a, And the import question is obviously difficult to answer, especially in the current climate, but, uh, um, you know, would you be – Maybe this is too difficult to answer. Would you be looking at a point guard or, or bigs, or that's too early to, to make comment on that? You know, there's there's a couple different ways that we can go. Um, you know, we could go uh, a U.S. point and a hybrid three-two-one. So we have a giddy, a U.S. point uh, hybrid three-two-one that can handle the ball. So we've got three ball handlers. I think it's important yeah. as we build this roster, and it's no secret that. Um, you know, one thing that one thing that really hurt us in Perth uh, that final year was Adam and Brad went down with injuries. Okay, and when we didn't have, we had our US one, and we had and we had PC having to bring the ball up when they would take the ball out of the US one's hand, and we just didn't have enough ball handling. And really, from from that season on. Anywhere I've worked, whether I've, I've been a head coach or whether I've, I've been an assistant, I've always felt like we have to put a premium on, on being able to handle the ball. Um, sure. Now, 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 Daniel Dillon is a combo guard. He can handle the ball. He can push it in the open floor. He could get us into, um, into offense if need be. Tease is the same way. Are they lead ball handlers? No. But we may not. We may be able to, to work with that. So. Ball handling is a priority uh, in this in this build out in this scenario. Um, and then, really, um, do you go with that hybrid, or do we go with uh, a U.S. import four or five uh, to pair with DJ? So you know, it, it, it's too early, but those three kind of scenarios are are being are being bantered about, and, and we'll see where we get to. The fact that you've been important um, for three years too, Connor, how, how, how big of a deal is that, both in terms of being able to build a basketball program over that three years in Adelaide, but also for your family to know that you can all come out here and know that you can hopefully settle down for, for at least three years? Yeah, you know, it, going through the conversations with, with Grant and Jeff, once we got to the point um, – you know, they, they understood that I wanted to come out there and, and stay and have the opportunity to um, be a part of building something. Mm. Um, my time in, in Perth uh, was cut short. And um, having having the three-year deal uh, is important. It, it allows us some flexibility to build the roster, to withstand some of those shared moments, good or bad, and build start to build that culture that Grant truly wants he wants to he wants a team um that's going in a direction that uh that the community that the league uh is uh that is that is solid within those two areas and um being able to to be a part of it and 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 lock in on three-year deal was was essential to me 
Now, I know, I know we don't have a lot of your time uh, today, Connor, but what I did want to do, I wanted to go back a, a number of years, and uh, you played with Larry Bird and the Boston Celtics. Uh, that must have just been, uh, you must have some incredible stories from that period of time. I know we're, we're all watching The Last Dance with Michael Jordan at the moment, and I imagine that Larry Bird would have been a fairly, uh, fairly tough teammate at times <laughs> as well. Yeah, you know, he could be. Um... And, and, you know, I don't know if you guys are getting the uh, uncensored version of the last dance in uh, in Australia, but we get them here. And there's some uncensored moments. For no, sure. we're, we're getting that version too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, that being said, um, you know, I was a rookie there and was there uh, for a short period of time that the end of the 86-87 season, really, that the, the year that we lost to the Lakers in the finals and then uh, the following preseason and, and first, oh, I don't know, 20 games or something. I can't remember exactly. Maybe it was more than that. But, you know, Larry was, Larry was a phenomenal player in that, like Michael. He was going to play at a certain level that everybody knew that they had to, to lift and try to play it that way too. Um, the great ones, uh, and this is a cliche, but if, if your best player is your hardest worker, it makes it a lot easier for coaches. And Larry, uh, Larry demanded that of others to work hard. Um, he demanded everybody play at a high level when it came time for games. And then with all that, there was a heck of a lot of fun, mm-hmm. a heck of a <laughs> lot of talking crap to everybody. Um, <laughs> everybody. I mean, that was probably the biggest surprise when I got there. My first day, I walked down the court and, and there was more crap being talked not only to me, but everybody else within the group, which made it uh, a heck of a lot of fun, kept it light. Um, everybody respected the coaching staff and, and knew what they had to do um, to be successful. And I and I just soaked it up as, as a rookie. Um, and I was fortunate to be around a culture that was that was great. And Grant wants that type of situation. He wants to build the team with with quality guys, with winners. So those are the experiences that I learned along the way, and I'm, and, and I'm going to attempt to try to bring uh, bring to, to Adelaide. I was going to ask you quickly about that too. Your time in Boston as a Californian, were you? Did that make you a target from Larry and the Celtics, or and did you grow up hating the Celtics, and did you have to very quickly change your opinion once you got there? Interesting, good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, so literally, my senior year at UC Santa Barbara, I'm sitting at a pub drinking beers, watching the NBA Finals unfold. And that was the NBA Finals when the, the Celtics won the series. Yeah. Argu- arguably had the greatest, one of the top five greatest teams of all time. I think a lot of people still think it's the best team ever. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people think it was the best team ever. So I'm sitting at the bar with my mates drinking, and and I've grown up in L.A., and, of course, the whole bar is going crazy, yelling at the, at the Celtics, and everybody's, you know, anti-Boston, and then literally in three weeks, I've been drafted by the Rockets, I go to Houston, life completely changes, and then within five months come December, I'm in Boston. So <laughs> I, went from, I, I went from really an, an L.A. kid, uh, not knowing a whole lot about the Celtics, other than that they were the arch rival mm. of the Lakers, and that they were... A great team, um, but uh, yeah, going from 
being from LA and then going to Boston was an experience. Um, but I was welcomed at that, at that point, you're just a basketball player and, and, and you're welcome. So it was definitely, uh, an interesting time uh, to to go through that and then to land there. Absolutely. That is a great story. <laughs> now, I think we need to let you go for now, Connor, but certainly once you get into Adelaide, and I know that Scott and I are keen to keep this podcast going through the off-season and then obviously into the next season, so we'll have, have plenty of time to catch up with you more and chat chat more more about these sort of stories as well, and, and we, we look, we look forward, to, forward to that, obviously, and hopefully you get here safely in, in the meantime, and yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure for me to be to be working with you again because I had a great time with you back back in, in your former, former stint in the NBL, so really excited for, for what lies ahead. I appreciate that, guys. And 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 look, if you want to have another chat uh, going forward, you know, if I've got some some time next week or the or the week after, just text me and love to be a part of it. Okay, big thank you to Con Henry for joining us here on Sixers Fix with Scott Ninnis. Great to chat with him, Scott. We could have chatted chatted to him for for a lot longer. I look forward to chatting t- to him for you know for longer once once we get down the track further. But I'm probably even more excited about him being being a pointing coach now after actually hearing from him. He speaks very well, doesn't he? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, very impressive and uh, you know cautious approach moving forward. But I, I am, I'm excited to see what he can what he can bring to the club. Um, yeah, look, certainly look forward to the next. Uh, Hopefully more than three years, uh, mm. which means we've we've had some success along the way. But uh, looking forward to getting him into the uh, into the country, which yeah. uh, will be the first uh, challenge. But um, look, the the number one ticket holder of the club is Stephen Marshall, who's the premier of South Australia. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's got to count for something. It's got to be some 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 sort of loophole to get him into the state. <laughs> Absolutely. Now this pod, whole podcasting was new to us at the start of this last NBL season, Scott, and I think. I think, uh, hopefully I can speak for both of us, we really enjoyed putting the shows that we were able to put together together. Uh, hopefully we can, can build on it, do some shows in this off-season to build up some excitement for what lies ahead and hopefully build on what we've started throughout the next NBL season and, and hopefully create a bit of a brand here with Sixers Fix with, with Scott Scott Ninnis. But disappointingly, our biggest supporter, Brett Maher, he's gone and started his own podcast. Did you did you see that? Yeah, it can't be as good as ours, mate. He, uh, he waffles <laughs> on too much. Uh, no, I did. He's, uh, and he's got some star power with him, Andrew McLeod yeah, from the Adelaide Crows. So, yeah, uh, yeah we'll, uh, we'll have to compare numbers and uh, see who got, got bragging rights at the end of the year. Well, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> um, but, but no, really looking forward to continuing to work with you, Scott. It's been a, been a pleasure of mine for, for you to, I guess, agree to, to do a show with me in the first place. So hopefully everyone is okay with the 36ers enjoys listening. If you, Even if you're not a 36ers fan, hopefully we give you something worth listening to as well. And yeah, man, we're looking forward to catching up with some more people over the off-season. So stay tuned and we'll try to put out a, put out something every week for you and, and build up to to this, this upcoming season, keep you informed on all the news that's popping around. But it's going to be an interesting time for us to continue to, to get through, Scott, and maybe this is a chance for you to escape the kids for a little while every week as well. Uh, now you're talking my language, mate. No, I can't, can't wait. Look uh, look forward to catching up every week and uh, chatting to some very interesting people. We'll be back again next week. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Chris.